now. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Morrissey Metrics Baseball Podcast here over at Tiger Mile Report. And over, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And tonight is just going to be Uber and Chris after dark. His, Chris is coming back from West Michigan as the Whitecaps open up the season in a one nothing win over a four-wing tin, tin caps. And right now, the Seawolves are up 5 nothing in Akron as they, that's the only time they play Akron in Akron this season. So, but yeah, if you, if you're wondering who's that, who are we having witness protection program on the below? That's, that's Chris. Now Chris comes in the scene a little bit, but uh, Chris is being taken to a secure location by the secret service. Yes. <laughs> Our tiger mile report has hired a secret service to bring Chris after clipping. And yeah, it's been a crazy day around here. So, I just got back between opening day and then I had a little class I had to go to. So my day is now it's still not over yet, but the big day, Tigers lose. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the, the series in Houston and the depressing number today. One of my, for the inside number today, that was really depressing involving one National League team. So, but Chris, how was West Michigan? How cold was it? It was very cold. It's not the worst I've been to, but yeah, I mean, it felt like it was 36 degrees or so, and the game was about two hours, and that's about all I right? And I, I have winter coat on, winter hat, and by the seventh inning, I was shivering. My whole body was shivering. But yeah, it was, it was a good, a quick game. There wasn't a whole lot that happened, but Bill Mal, Ben Maljeri hit a home run, a solo homer off uh, Fort Wayne's pretty talented starter. I've forgotten his name, but he was—he had some good stuff. And after that, it was just a whole bunch of pitching and some good defense from Isaac Pacheco. You got Roberto Campos got his first single at high A, but really, yeah, it was just, it was cold, and I don't think many people wanted to be on the playing field. Yeah, they remind me of the other, was it Friday in Toledo? It was 46 degrees outside, and the same thing. Like, I, that sitting out there, salute, salute to you, Chris, because that, that, especially when the wind starts coming in, because you have the lake right there. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a pain in the butt. So, or yeah, it's not pain in the butt, it's pain in the ass. It's, it's it's nice. But uh, you have to emphasize that. But a couple of things that wanted to happen today, opening day, Uber, that I thought both of you guys thought was interesting the last couple of days. First and foremost, there is a drinking game involving the podcast. So shout out to you know, listener sent it in, and I we we shared it in our DMs, and I'll probably end up sharing it at some point in the next probably the next podcast because I want John here. John is still on a cruise with his family for spring break. So, but uh, I got a chance to meet Nick's Nick Swain, who was on the podcast. And uh, I got, he I was randomly walking from America Park. Nick saw me and we talked for a few minutes. It was good to meet him. And we just had a, we had a beer together. Nice. So it was nice. I, I got to have a beer with him. And then I saw when I was, Continue to walk around a little bit, and I ran into a couple other people who actually two people from our Discord. So if you haven't enjoyed our Discord, please do so. I will send the link on the episode description. But got a chance to meet Charles and Steve. So those those Charles again, he also bought me a beer, and so we had a, all the IPA together, and it was nice. And so then I ended up doing, but I was down at Comerica Park all day with. They were going around this fence tour, and a lot of. People are still mad about the fences. And gentlemen, I'll start with you, Uper. It's just to me, it's just a fence. Am I missing something here? Or I, I don't understand why there's much controversy. I think that for a long time, a fair number of people have thought there were some things that needed changing out there. But even if you didn't believe it needed change, if you thought it was perfect last year, it's it's not a significant difference. It looked fine, <laughs> you know. It's the same for both teams. I don't see how it's going to hurt the Tigers in any way. So, uh, yeah, it seems like much ado about nothing if you're worried about it. Yeah, Chris, I mean, it's the same thing. I gave, so I gave like, a video tour of it. Scott Harris walked us around the ballpark. Is there something I missed? Is something you see in there? No, I mean, it's. I think people complain about the aesthetics of it, right? And aesthetics are always in the, the eye of the beholder. And they're like, oh, it just kind of looks like tacked on because it was tacked on. I think. You know, they, I don't know when they decided to do this, but they didn't have the ability I think, to tear down all the walls, completely redo the ballpark. So when we talked about maybe putting some more shrubbery behind that wall in center field or some arborvitae, something like that, I mean, green it up a little bit, but 
I don't know. I think it'll serve its purpose as, as a wall as long as it doesn't fall down. Yeah, and I think there's because the idea, because there's nothing behind the walls and they don't plan on putting anything on there. And the right field has that shrubbery, which looked, I mean, it, it literally looked like it was just finished yesterday, but, <laughs> or how, it, it, honestly, it, it had that vibe to it. But overall, I the aesthetic was fine. And as somebody pointed out in the press box, if you weren't there for six months and had no idea what was going on, you thought nothing has changed. Yeah. So that's how the aesthetic looks to some people. Now, how much shorter is it exactly? Did they tell you? It's seven feet. It went from 13 seven. to seven feet. Yeah. Okay. So, but then the bullpen also, they went through and they updated the bullpen a little bit for better sight lines for the pitchers. And they updated the seating as well. So there's uh, the bullpen guys are a little more, have some little comfort to them. And then we got a chance to check out the new clubhouse and there was a picture in the entrance there. It was really cool. Got to see that. And there's a couple things behind the wall we can't see, but the there's a new player area for player for development and the locker room looked really nice too. And that was my first time in the locker room since. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while, but nevertheless, some of the changes they made there and Scott Harris got a chance to talk about that and, People were even saying, well, it, this could have been done better. And all by the fact that, again, this is going to take time, folks. There's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up here. And Tiger fans, I know, are losing patience by the day. But as the ball game itself, we'll get to that here in a second. And uh, we do have a couple questions we'll get to. Noah, I saw your questions in the YouTube chat. We'll get to those shortly. But overall, though, I mean, I thought that the presentation today, the whole opening day, Master so much sellout crowd, good crowd on hand. The weather cooperated, and for a while, the Tigers played a competitive game. And then the bullpen, which is going to be an issue this year, he reared his ugly head. Jose Cisneros' velocity's down, and he has not been able to set up his command of his slider at all. Has not generated any swings and misses. Doesn't have a higher spin rate, interesting enough, but he hasn't been able to do anything with it. He kind of blamed cold weather today afterwards yeah he, he and he was talking about he couldn't feel his could not get a grip on the pitch itself it was the same thing with even with the, uh, even some of the relievers down in Toledo were complaining about that too and so but yeah the the swing and miss stuff was definitely not there yeah you know i i, I missed i was driving when that home run happened but adam duvall apparently is the best player in baseball the first week of the season but yeah you, you know it's it, the weather obviously makes it hard to grip the baseball, but I don't think that was an issue in Tampa. And Cisnero ran into some problems there too. So, or was it Houston? I don't remember where he. It was Houston, yeah, yeah. Shouldn't have been an issue there. So, I don't know. I mean, he's looked kind of rough. He looked kind of rough in spring. So yeah, it's it's going to be a feeling out period, I think, for the first couple months to find out who for for Hinch to find out who he can actually rely on this year. Because, you know, I I haven't looked, but I've been curious about. It sure feels like Avers have not stranded a lot of runners. I know I yeah. think Lang, Lang stranded a few today, right? I actually saw the number today. It's the last number I saw was nine out of fifteen inherited runners have scored. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah. So that's not fun. Got to figure something out there. Yeah, it was yeah. Evan Woodbury tweeted out earlier of M Live. Yeah, fifteen runners in the first seven games and nine have scored. Nine. And again, the, the swing and miss stuff too, even from Spencer Herbal, who talked about today about changing some of his mechanics as he continues to learn, get back in the pitching a little bit. But he he had a suffer a, a neck stinger where he was trying to avoid a long, line drive and it kind of stung his neck and because the whiplash part of it. And afterwards, they asked him if it had any effect on his pitching. He said no. It was pretty pretty straightforward too he's like no and but overall his stuff he was talking about how he felt good and and for a while i thought he he had decent pitch ability but again when you don't have swing and miss it only goes so much but he had some some good quick efficient innings early on was it one swing and miss today yeah just one just one wow yeah well you know he was getting a, a lot of weak contact which has kind of been his calling card all throughout his pro career other than you know Raphael Devers him hard but yeah 
you know, it's going to be a process for him to find that swing and miss stuff again. We, we know it's in there, but he's he's never going to be like a, you know an elite strikeout guy, but certainly better than one swing and miss. Who did not Spencer have... Turnbull, not Spencer Strider. <laughs> but there is yeah. one one picture that did stand out today. I got a chance to talk to him was Mason Engler, who had six swing misses. And one of the things he did say though was that he wished he would have been able to establish first pitch strike. And so that was something that he he really was trying to get people said he wanted to get better on for his better at for his next appearance. And he this is the first time, by the way, he was ever at Comerica Park in the building. He keep in mind he's been down in Lakeland the entire time. And but overall I thought he did a good job in relief. I mean, this is a guy who it's a rule five pick and it definitely showed I think today more than his last couple appearances i think he shows where he's blowing i mean granted a walk and a hit and strikeout but still i thought he limited kind of he only had one hard hit ball but they had six swings and misses against a pretty decent red sox lineup he looks you know he's for a rule five kid who's never been above double a right he looks the part you know and it looks like it's a pick that has a very good chance of sticking and you know, they're going to need innings from the bullpen. We, we'll talk about that more, but I like what we're seeing. And you're right. He limited the hard contact and he did that the other night too. You know, another, another outing in the books for him and we'll keep moving forward. Is that three for him now or two games? Three, I believe. Three. Three. Yeah. yeah three. So our over under of 40 games is looking, looking strong. He's going to be pitching 60 games this year. It's like. Yeah, I think he's going to make, especially if the way the bullpen's been going right now, the bullpen has been a major issue for the Tigers. It was something that we talked about before the season began as well because the lack of kind of, this is a this is an unproven bullpen. I mean, you have in Trey Wingander and you have Chase Shreven, who's Shreven's approved himself to a certain extent. But then the rest of it, you have Jason Foley, who there was a, I saw something on MLB Network, somebody posted it. That he has not given a home run up on the sinker. He has the longest, like one of the longest streaks in the league on that pitch. But still, the the Tigers last year, K per nine in the bullpen, I think it was around six, was one of the lowest in the leagues and in lowest in the league. And you can't survive on that. And it's going to eventually, Tigers have to think about something because down, I mean, you can, you can look it down in Toledo, you look it down in Erie, and and go, go, oh, wow, you know, some of the, you can talk about some of the names that might come up. One name that came up and kind of made a quick impression already in his first appearance today for Toledo, Mudhens won, by the way, eight to five. And this is a guy we've talked about on the podcast before. And that gentleman's name is one, the Z Man. We're going to call him the Z Man unless we think of something better. Andres Zabala. Zabala. Yeah. That guy went in today and he was originally, we, it was weird. We thought it was strange that he was starting the season in Erie, but clearly he wasn't. He came in and recorded. He's already recorded a couple strikeouts. Castro's off to a good start in Toledo. And they're both, they're slowly but surely breaking in both the Seawolves and Mudhens rotation. But yeah, it would be at some point like Lynn Henning on Twitter was like, oh, well, I don't know why they brought Jose Cisnero up north with the team. Well, they didn't really have anybody else. What, what am I missing? Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's a veteran, and they're paying him a decent amount of money. I don't think they were going to cut him. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the bullpen tends to sort itself out, right? If you keep giving up runs, then they'll get rid of you. But they'll give you chances to get outs a few times. I don't know. It's like, I would hold off for another handful of outings from these guys. I know it's been iffy, but we've seen that before. Last year, I remember the bullpen had a rough stretch, and then they were really good for most of the rest of the year. So it's just going to take some time. Bala will probably come up at some point. He supposedly touched 101 today. Yeah. yeah. Something that's interesting. But he's also a guy who doesn't throw a ton of strikes. So I don't know what AJ Hitch's tolerance for that will be. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was talking about with the guy from West Michigan earlier, and it's really caring too much about a bullpen on a team that's not going to compete. I mean, obviously, from a fan's perspective, you want them to win. It right. sucks to have a, a bullpen blow leads all the time. But from a team competitive perspective, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to have a lot of resources in your bullpen. 
Yeah. It's not, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense for it. We did have a question, Mark, who I had a chance to meet him in Lakeland. I got so busy, I couldn't meet with him. So I apologize about that. To answer the question, Mark, no, I'm not part of Woodward Sports anymore. We are our own independent thing, if you will. I also participate in Hub and All Fan Sided, and we have the Tiger Mind Report, which you can donate to our Patreon or PayPal if you want to. And yeah, so we're totally 100% indie again. We're part of fan, We're part of a network too, Fan First Podcast Network. So, but uh, I'm currently locked up in the Woodward Sports sweat box. <laughs> yeah, the punishment. <laughs> if you don't clips anymore, you don't get sweat box. Let me. Hey, how bad is the road noise on my end? Like, is, is it annoying it's and detracting? I don't want to be an annoying podcast guest. You can hear it here and there, but it's not annoying. No, it's not oh, annoying okay, at all. Good. All right. Who's ever, who's ever watching us on YouTube, say something in the comment section. I, I think you sound fine. You sound a lot all better right, than yeah. I did when I tried to do the show for the road. That, that Mercedes 500 has a nice ride. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. I'll probably uh, take off here in a little bit, but I did want to just say hello to everybody. Okay. See, see, see people in the chat said road, road, road noise is not that bad, so... All right. Now, well, you know, it's it's interesting to me just to go back to the bullpen quick. I think Chris hit the nail on the head, but it is a frustrating thing for almost everybody. Even if you realize the idea of, of investing in the bullpen probably doesn't make a ton of sense right now. It's still hard to watch. We still want the flow of baseball and your team getting the lead and a guy coming in and shutting the door and, you know, this year when the Tigers let their four best relievers go since the trade deadline and on, it really did very little besides sign spare parts from around baseball to replace them. You know, that was one of the big reasons a lot of us had a, kind of a short number on the, on the win total this year was it was hard to really see this bullpen being long-term effective, right? I think in stretches, they'll be fine. Maybe even a long stretch here and there because that's how bullpens roll. But it just doesn't seem like, other than maybe laying, that one guy who can come in and really put out a fire and that has some dominant pitch that takes people out. Yeah. It's just, and the thing with Cisneros slider, too, is that if you can sit on that fastball, because if you, if you can't get that slider and snap it off and, and make it a pitch that, that you don't have to making them guess, then you're, you're screwed. And, and he has a changeup too, but a changeup can't really spot that either. And so, again, I, I just, Lynn's comment only bothered me because I felt like it was just kind of like, it's a weekend. Who else are you, are you going to? I guarantee you now everybody's checking out Toledo or everybody's checking out everything that's going on right now. So, I mean, if he continues to do this, don't just don't put him in high leverage situations. And he does it in, in if he does it in non- High leverage situations, then evaluate it then. But I, I think the Tigers are going to address it. I'm just, I'm not saying put your head in the sand and bear, and not think about it. But it's either it's the the flavor of the day is either get rid of Johnson Scope, or now it's Jose Cisneros on the on the chopping block list. So he, they're both of those guys are oh, yeah. a lot of anger. So Lynn said he's getting DFA tomorrow. Did that? Lynn Henning. Oh well, you, you know Scope. I think he's only got like 10 plate appearances so far this year. They really are barely using him. So, yeah. They're a little bit hippie there, but. And I don't know. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Oh, nothing. I, I just said, I, I just wanted to mention Jake Rogers. Obviously, he had another big home run today, and, and he just looks so damn comfortable at the plate. I don't know what it is, man. He just, like, he looked the same way in spring. I got rid of that leg kick from a few years back, and he just looks like a hitter now, which is like, kind of shocking to me. Yeah, and you know the, the biggest thing too that I took away from today was the the defensive switcher the switcheroos, if you will, because Scope only had one. I mean, he had a bat. He walked. I think he, I think he grounded out. I forgot where. You know, he popped out to pop out the right. There, then Nick Nick Maton came in and really he he had a walk, but yeah, Jake Rogers, man, he just I think what it is honestly is that he's just even catching wise. I thought he did a pretty good job catching too. I think the biggest thing, yeah, Alex thinks it's his mustache. Probably his mustache. But Rodgers, again, was hidden pretty well until Tommy John surgery. I think he was coming into his own a little bit. And I think he's just getting back to those swing mechanic changes that he made that allowed him more consistent at-bats. 
And that allowed the flexibility today to put Eric Haas out there, who he had a single today and he went one for three. But it gives the Tigers a lot more flexibility, especially for an off. Like they're trying to generate anything on offense right now. I mean, how many buys under hitting under 100? You have Vitan off to a, a bad start. But then you see things like Ryan Kreller's defense. And that well, like he made a really good offensive play out there today at second. And it shows why Hinch, I mean, he even Hinch said this after the game. He loves Ryan Kreidler and, and what he can provide. But the sticks, I mean, in terms of sticks today, Cabrera had an RBI single, which was nice to see. And Torkelson had a nice single. But it's it, it's this team is going to be either faster, feast or famine, famine or feast or however you say the terminology. I can't even think of it right now. Fist that, of Fury. Yes, Fist of Fury. Yes, it's gonna be either it's gonna be Fist of Fury or a limp noodle. <laughs> That's what the Tigers' office is gonna be this year. So, but it's now we're gonna go now inside the numbers, and there's a couple of numbers across the board today that stood out to me. But I'll go ahead, Chris. Do you have an inside number you want to throw out there? You know what? No? I did. I I have a check today, but I was fooling around with at Baseball Savant looking at you know, some hard hit numbers. And it, I saw that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. put 22 balls in play, and 16 of them were 95 miles an hour or harder, which seemed ridiculous to me. But, yeah, he's he's off to a great start. So that was the only number I had. I, like I said, I haven't checked what happened today if they even played, but that's what I got. Yeah, there's been uh, there's cancellations across the board. The Mets and Dol- or M- Mets, Dolphins. Wow, Mets and Marlins, Reds and Phillies. Yankees in Baltimore and Houston and Minnesota have all been postponed. And there's a good run of weather, though, too. I mean, they haven't had any cancellations, at, I think, till today. So, but, Huber, uh, what is your inside the number? Okay, my inside number is 1884 and six by four. So I'm going back to the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I picked them to win the World Series, win their division, the whole thing. Their start, obviously, they got to play the Tigers, which is always helpful. But, they were the first team in the modern era to win their first six games by four or more runs in each game. Wow. Uh, and that goes back all the way to Raj's favorite team, the 1884 St. Louis Maroons. Yeah. The Mar- I'm sure you have the hat. <laughs> the Maroons won their first 13 games that year by four or more runs. And yeah, so break up the Maroons, and they must have broke them up because they're not around. So, but the Rays, since that day of 1884, this is the most six four run wins to start the season. Yeah, they've been, I mean, they, again, I know people are going to say, well, they played, they've only played the Tigers and they've been at the Nats, but to be fair, I mean, what is, what is, you want Tampa Bay to lose? I don't understand. Who cares who they play? They've just been looking good, they're looking dominant. So my inside number, by the way, is 19, and that is the swings and misses of one Josiah Gray today, and he lost. The national wow. offense is so inept that it was a solo home run. I believe it was a, I think it was a solo, or what was that a solo home run? It was a, not how the, the Rockies scored the run, but. Chris Bryant knocked it in. Oh, knocked it. Okay, so it was an RBI. Okay. So Gray on the day, six innings, he hits one run, and one walk, six strikeouts, but 19 swings and misses. Wow. So he, got, he got hosed. And we talk about, so where did it go wrong for the, for the Nationals? Well, I can tell you this right now. It's pretty bad when you're one through four goes one for 14. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two for 14. My math right. Six plus. Yeah. For 14. So Lane Thomas got a single and Candelario got a single as well. And that, that's probably about it. But the offense has been a struggle for, and it's going to be a, a struggle all year long for the Nationals. But either way, that's my inside number. I thought that was a good number to put out there. But the, moving on, moving on now, we're going to, this is going to be a quick show because we're kind of shorthanded and everything has been going on today. Let's go into the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uper, what you got there? Okay, am I good? Just in general, pace of play and the rule changes. You know, obviously, you've been seeing all, everybody's been seeing the numbers. It's down 20 to 30 minutes per game. It's been great. I'm loving the shorter time. It's really nice to have a nice, concise 
experience, not having too many games, not like a nine-inning game that occasionally used to draw to three and a half hours. It's working. I hope they stick with it. I don't think they need to make major changes. There's less than one incident per game now where they're adding a strike or a ball because of a pitch not being done at the, the pitch clock or a batter being ready. So it's really becoming more and more unnoticeable. Nothing feels rushed. The baseball, the, the TV experience, so not missing the shifts, hardly even think about that anymore. So I think from a one-week experience so far, Major League Baseball has me really happy with pace of play issues. Instead of the bad, I went with the rat. <laughs> Babe Ruth. They sold a Babe Ruth bat today. This is from 1921 called the Polo Grounds bat. 44 and a half ounces. He had 59 home runs that year with this bat. And I just want to, you know, people listening to know, we got to congratulate Raj for buying that bat for $1.85 million today, setting a record. Raj, I hope you have a nice place to display that bat. My wife would kill me if she thought. I would say, well, honey, it's not a hat, it's a bat. And you're like, shoot you. <laughs> well, somebody paid 1.85 mil for a bat. And it's, it's wow. from Babe Ruth, and it, it'd be pretty cool if you had the coin. All right, the good, the rad. We're going way off to the sublime today. Not the ugly. Jack Caglione. Because let's face it, the Tigers are going to probably have a chance at the first overall pick next year, okay? Depending how the lottery goes. Jack Caglione, University of Florida, already 18 home runs this year for the Florida Gators. Good Lord. Has an OPS, kind of a nice one, 1391. Hitting 403, 456, 936 is a slash line. Left-hand slugger, 6'5", 220. The guy has not hit a fence scraper yet that I've seen. Every home run I've seen clears the fence by about 30 feet. This guy can hit. Now, he's a first baseman. No, that's fine. I guess people would love to have him in a more premium position. But, man, that guy is just raking, really on track to be the number one pick in next year's draft. And, unfortunately, the Tigers might be in the running for that. Bitches, too. Yes, he does. <laughs> Pretty well. But he 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 got like 38 strikeouts in 30 innings, but he's struck. I think he's walked like 21 as well. So I think his future is with the sticks. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah, because coming into the year, I think people would have projected it the other way. That's crazy. Yeah. Maybe he's going to be an ex-Otani. Maybe that's going to be a common thing now. We're calling him the the Kegley Otani. Yeah. Chris, you, got any, you want to contribute? Or... Yeah, you know, I didn't have anything written down, but since I went to a game, I kind of give you the good, bad, and ugly from the game. I guess, you know, I mentioned it before, but but Isaac Pacheco, he didn't get a hit put together. I think he went all for three with two strikeouts, but he they were all good at bats. And one of them, he hit about a 400-foot foul ball on a breaking ball and then struck out on the next pitch on a, on a really good changeup. But he made two above-average plays at third base I was really impressed with. Every time I see him play defense, it's, it's kind of shocking how good he is because of how big he is. But yeah, he made a nice play down the had a strong throw to in the inning. And then he made like a, the lefty, he ranged all the way over to where Soretti was at shortstop and did a, you know, a spin and threw to first base and got the guy by a half a step. So I don't know, it was really good. Like his defense is, is I think, better than most people realize. On the flip side, the bad was probably Jace Young's plate appearances. He uh, just swung and missed a ton tonight. It was, uh, he must have missed 50% of the fastballs that they threw him. And they were like, you know, from 91 to 95, just swinging right through all of them and then come back um, with some breaking balls below the zone. And he swung and missed at those too. So it was a tough debut for him, but it's, you know, one game. And the ugly is actually something, if you watched the videos the other day, and, and Raj, I don't know if you retweeted it from the Motor City Metrics account, but, but when we were out there for the Whitecaps, you know, media day, Someone asked them about the biggest changes since Scott Harris has taken over, and they couldn't wait to tell us about how much better the food is now. And, and it, it's not like, hey, we went from like a you know a three star restaurant to a five star restaurant. It sounds like they basically went from like to, uh, to actual. I think Jace Young said we actually can protein now, which was like, what were you getting before? <laughs> so yeah, I, don't want, I don't even want to know. Or they, or, you know what? They're getting soy like green for anybody that's that. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, I would think there'd be protein in that, but yeah, that was just kind of unfortunate. And I think you might write a story about that, you said, or I, I yeah. don't know. I did, I did mention that today in my article. I did an article on the oh, okay. uh, opening day with the preview for Erie and West Michigan. Tomorrow I'm going to do one on Lakeland because Lakeland does not open the season until tomorrow against Tampa. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I had. It, you know, it was kind of an uneventful game. The pitching was effective. Nobody really stood out until and Madison came out in the ninth and was throwing like 92, 93. Everybody was just throwing really, you know, their velocity was down, I think, because the, the temperature. This is, can't wait till it's not cold anymore. It is just, you know, it's kind of ridiculous how bad it is out there. But yeah, this We're is time of year. Supposed to get to 80 here in Des Moines next week. So hopefully some warm air is moving your way too. Hopefully. I'm kind of over it. So it's kind of sucks, but uh, anywho, so my good is Tyler Alexander. Now you're going to say, Rogelio, Roger, are you, are you crazy? What are, what are you talking about? Well, here's why top he's in the top 25 for vertical movement on his fastball 2.4. So his numbers are kind of, you look at his numbers closely, you, you look at the ERA at 6.75. It's not good. But his XERA is 3.96. So he is a K rate of 38. He's striking out guys at 30%. Of course, it doesn't matter when they're, you know, they're, they're kind of barreling it up a little bit. But the exit velocity on his people going out, off his pitches are 88.3. But the reason why I want to mention that is because it's not off, especially with the Tigers, there's been some like little, little things I've noticed in some of the stats that are just like, They've been doing things that have been, you don't see the results right away, but his, when I was looking a little deeper at his stat cast data, his fastball, that, that's up. So that, and then between that and his cutter, which is, his cutter is his bread and butter, but for his four-seamer, I mean, this is a guy that has been living by the cutter and through the four-seam kind of more or less to kind of get it over. It's still, I mean, the four-seamer is only generating a 12 percent with rate but that helps set up his cutter better too so just something that i thought was i noticed as well and the other good which leads into my bad for the and this is involving this team is the, if you're shohi atani you're living pretty good right now because according to the la times one major league official who spoke to the times and they were they kept themselves anonymous is that the bidding would start at $500 million, $600 million for Otani. One agent predicted that Otani would sign a 12-year, $600 million deal. And then SportTrack, which I don't like that website because they sometimes are inaccurate, but they were all right about the contracts. Recently revealed contract evaluations for Otani. Eight years, $230 million as a pitcher, and 10 years, $333 million as a hitter. Find that, that's $563 million. So 20 years. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think he's going to stay. He's, gonna, he's not going to stay with the angels. And speaking of which they had, uh, they had, what's his face? The, the, this is kind of like, this is not really the bad part of it, but the reporter involved did an interview with Pat Monahan of the band called band train trains. One of the way trains a fucking terrible band, but that's not a reason why. Young angels, or you know, well, well drops Oh no, that's uh, yeah, it's the same band, isn't it? Yeah, the drop. Anyways, I don't like that band. All right, but the reason why my bad involves necessarily not that is Sam Bloom. So Sam Bloom is a writer who covers the Angels for the Athletic, and he was informed by the AM eight thirty, the Angels team owned radio network, that he was no longer welcome back on the B Reporter Roundtable program because he brings, quote, negativity to a beat-up show. So the president, the team president, John Carpano, was told, told him this. And it's worth noting how the Angels can attempt to filter the team-owned media. And Sam said that in his tweet. So I think that's bad. The Angels have gotten to all the bad press lately. Like, Iron Moreno continues to just look like a... I think I have a soup like a Justice League super villain or something. It's just well, you know, you don't want to bring your radio crew on the road. Yeah, 
that, there you know, go, yeah. and now you got to try to muzzle your people from pointing out the obvious, you know, to a lot of fans. When you can't even point out that, you know, there's, there are some problems with the system. It's very defensive and just a bad look all around. And just, again, it's, this is a team that's for the, the angels for all the talent they have cannot continue to, they just, they're just going to spin the wheels, just continue to spin the wheels the entire time. And yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting bad in the sense that they're going to lose school. They're going to lose Otani. They're not going to be able to swing that $600 million deal. And my ugliest week, I don't really have, like, in terms of, like, an ugly, it just, I don't really have a kind of an ugly. I mean, I, the only thing I would say is, just a real, I guess, a real bad would be the NCAA tournament the championship game because it was ugly. I mean, well, it, well, actually, it's kind of good. Connecticut had no problem with the San Jose, San Jose State. San Diego. San Diego. San Jose. Wow. San Diego State, Aztecs. I knew that. Steve Fisher was there. And that was a pretty simple game. They, they, they beat Connecticut. had no problem with them. And Connecticut had a, had a whole dominating entire tournament. And, and no teams that really gave them a lot of issues at all, except for I think even Miami, where they beat down by 10, was the closest game to them. So. The only reason why I thought it was ugly is because, in a sense that this the, the whole debate about comes from is this really tr- truly debate player champion and all that. But to me, not having the blue buds there was fun. Having your Kansas, not your having your Duke was there, and so just the ugly side of it is just a stupid debate to go back and forth about that. And I know this is the second week in a row I've mentioned the tournament, but. It's everywhere, and it's been something that's trending. So I thought it was interesting that we're mentioning. So, but yeah, that is my good and bad and ugly for this week. And Chris, uh, we'll let you get back on the road or continue to book his home. Is there anything you wanted to add before you get out of here? No, good work today. Thank you, sir. And, happy birthday, uh, you. Yeah, oh, happy, yeah, you. yeah, happy <laughs> birthday. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, I was gonna say, we're uh, happy belated birthday to you. So, but yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be. Well, you and I will continue on for a few more minutes. Chris, we'll talk to you later. There. You're out. All right. So Chris is continuing. I want Chris to be safe on the road. But, uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. So there are, we had a couple questions in the YouTube chat they wanted to get to. And the first comes up, and this is from Noah. And this is a good question here. His question is, do you think Green and Torque will hit free agency after six years? Can the Tigers please sign Torque and Green to long-term deals? Yeah. Well, you know, I think many times in the last couple months, anyway, pretty much the whole off season, I talked a lot about how the whole idea of this rebuild centers around those two guys, right? I mean, if they, if these two guys are, if either one are, are busts, it's going to be hard to see them building a lineup anytime in the next couple of years, based on what they have on hand. So they need these two to show signs of life. Obviously, Torkelson, for the most part, has. He's hitting the ball hard. He's looking good, very confident. Crushed the homer the other night. Loved it. Green is showing something, too. There's still a little bit of some pitch selection I question at times. But again, he's young. He's coming, he's coming along. They're starting to show that they can be fixtures moving forward. I mean, if anybody who had doubts about Torkelson last year, I'm not saying they've been answered, but I think we're moving in the right direction. So, do you want to make a signing? Obviously, I think it'd be to the Tigers' benefit if they really believe what they're seeing to get that deal done. It takes two to tango. Are they going to want to stay in Detroit long-term? I mean, that needs to come from ownership. Do they want to show the commitment to building this team and locking in these talents for an extra couple of years. Atlanta has shown the way that it can be done. The deals can be had. So the only thing keeping the Tigers probably from doing it, if they show them the money, is Chris Illich. Yeah. And, you know, Uper, there's something I considered when I heard when Young and Pacheco spoke. It made you sort of think a little bit that, and this is something that stems back even a few years before that. As you recall, Erie was considered by many one of the worst facilities out there. Yeah. And Casey Myers said something about that and when he was pitching out there. And so I think the focus, I think, and this is the greater picture overall, or the, the bigger picture, if you will. You look at Toledo, look at West Michigan. They have improved their lights, their 
the the little the the, the cosmetic fan aspects of it, but mm-hmm. the nutritional part of things. The Tigers redid the clubhouse. They redid these things. Why? I think really because they're trying to tell players, hey, you can come, you can come here and stay long term. Because mm-hmm. if there's one thing that, I've, and it's, again, whether this goes back, and, and I don't want Al Avila to get all the blame for this, but this goes back a long way. The organization as a whole, even under Tom Monahan, when he was the owner, they've always been cheap when it comes to doing certain things like the, the little things you don't think about, the nutrition, the, the having like an extra farmhand and yeah. to me, extra coaches in these things. So I think the Tigers, well, Scott Harris did realize the Tigers have been, quite frankly, maybe an antique, a lot of ways that are thinking. Because, we, again, having last year talking to some of the minor league players and saying that they now have a plan before they're like, oh, do your thing. That goes back a ways. And so I think in order for the Tigers to have these players sign long-term, they have to take care of some of these inner, inner items first because I think it's been so, I don't want to say dysfunctional, but it's been status quo for so long mm-hmm. that if you don't get that fixed, why stick around here in the long term? Yoop? I mean, if you're if you're a player that is used to a certain way, because I mean, you look at Riley Green, his dad is a swing coach, and the facilities he's been nice, and now the Tigers are getting modernized in a lot of different ways, and, and certain things that you see that are standard, maybe perhaps in camps, in hitting camps, and in pitching camps, are now becoming part of normal lexicon for the Tigers. Sure. Or they weren't before. They need to, you know, Scott Harris needs to establish himself. I hate this word. It's overused. But, you know, he's building the culture there of a winning organization. And all the things you mentioned are positives. Okay. Everything is moving up. Take, you know, get your expectations up instead of down in terms of facilities and programs and everything else. But at the end of the day, it's going to come with more investment at the big league level. And right now they haven't made investments at the big league level. They've chosen to work at the minor league level, which makes sense. They need to build that core, but they're not going to be able to do what they did this year and have a nothing burger of an off season again for very long. If they want to keep guys on board long-term and, and think of themselves as Detroit Tigers, because, Hey, if they're not going to invest in the big league organization, why should I invest my career in them? So the proof's going to be in the pudding. Maybe this, as soon as this offseason, what direction does Illich and Scott Harris want to take this? Will they spend some money in free agency? Or are they going to continue to build, try to build a homegrown core? I don't know. We'll see. No, and, and look, and, and no, I agree with you. I think it would be bad for the Tigers long-term, for the Hall, if they can't sign these guys long-term, or at least one of them. And it shows that, Again, even with like the likes of, depending on what happens with Cole Keith or whomever else, it could be the guy the Tigers are drafting this season. Yeah, it has it has to start somewhere, and yeah. I think that Sky Harris is as much as people want to say he's doing lip service today, and the owners are cheap, and we all know this. You all can, we all know this. With that being said, still, however, be that as it may, you've got to you have to start somewhere. I don't know where else. If we're for the first time noticing these things in the farm system where they're doing things that every other organization is doing versus, oh, oh, they just put me out there, then look, I don't want them. I know fans are like, I'm tired of my patience. I'm, I'm sick. I don't want to come back to it. But for now, it's, it's a start mm-hmm. and it's much more you can ask for. Yeah. You're... Fans are, you know, they're fickle, right? If the club starts to win, they'll be back. They can say they're done. You know, everybody's all oh, done with them. Blah blah. It, nothing like a six-game winning streak to pull them back in, right? That that will happen once they have a winning team on the field. People will be there. Eyeballs will be on the television. Okay. In my mind, though, and the, the drinking game guys are going to be happy. Chris Selich drives this bus. I mean, we can talk about Scott Harris all you want. How much does he want to invest in this team to get these guys locked in over the long haul, assuming they keep moving forward and deserve to be locked in? Right now, the jury's out. 
I would have no question, God rest his soul, if Mike Gillich was here, okay, I'd feel very confident those guys will get locked up with deals. Okay? No question in my mind. Chris Selich, we don't know. Yeah. And exactly. I mean, that's that's where the million-dollar question comes in, is how much he really cares or not. And so you can say, you can, you can say all those things he wants, but it's the proofs in the pudding. Or proofs in his actions, too. But the question we had in there was from Alex. If Scope isn't still producing at the plate, do you guys think we'll see Verling in the infield more often? Yeah. It's all evident. That was evident today. And, I, and Verling had a really good series in Houston. I love that play he made to, I, I, get, I think it was Cisnero was pitching, actually, where he made the diving catch and right. He has looked good hitting the ball, driving the ball with good, good power. He had a stolen base. He has shown everything. And immediately the Phillies are like, because they use them right now because they've been getting injured. They have injuries. They they, they called up Cody Clemens yesterday. Yeah. That's how banged up the Phillies are. And the Phillies, I mean, they're just, I don't know what's going on over there. But anyway. Yeah. You yeah. know, with, with Scope the other night, we played third base for the first time in many years, right? Yeah. His arm, for whatever reason, his arm didn't look up to the task. Now, on the first play, the ball hit third base. And he barely gloved it because it took a weird hop. And I don't know if he got a good grip. So I'll give him a complete pass on that first throw. But then he had a couple more throws. One down to second base that could have been a double play. Another one over to first that he skipped over. Uh, you know, I thought he's had a good arm over the years. But he, he looked pretty shaky at third. Um, so I don't know how, how that will go going forward. But the big thing with Veerling is this. I am... What's going to be more likely to produce in the future when this club is ready to win? Veerling or Scope, right? It's going to be Veerling, almost for sure. I mean, you can just see Scope's game is so hit and miss that there's nothing to rely on there. So you got to hope they can develop Veerling into a player. So I would you know, always lean to playing that guy. And I'm not always a play the young guy's only person, but in this case, it just, with Scope being so, yeah, meh. It's hard to justify having the other guy sit. Yeah, at some point the Tigers are going to. It, I, there's there's going to be a couple. I think by the end of, I think by the end of, I would say probably the next two weeks we might start seeing those different pieces to come. But as far as who they bring up and all that, that's a different story for a different day. But I, I have to think that. Justin Henry Malloy, who's off to a really good start. Don Toledo will get some consideration. He's walked like nine times, right? Yeah, he's walked. Yeah, he's showing really good patience at the plate. I like his, I like the singles have been just like the, he's hitting the ball pretty well. And same thing with like Park, Parker Meadows, or I think Andre Lipsius has pressed a little bit here and there, but he's, he's trying to get back in the swing of things a little bit too. But the, the Tigers have to really look themselves in the mirror and say, okay, what are we? And we'll know shortly. Are we a team that's going to be terrible and lose 100-plus games? Or are we going to be just good enough to win 70 to 75 games and still lose 90? I don't yeah. like it's, you know. It's, I don't think they're a Nationals bad level. If, again, it, it, it all boils down to Torkelson and Green, right? If they become league average or better players in, in year two here, then that will keep the Tigers above water to a certain extent. If they struggle, then they could easily be a 58-win team. But if those two guys can play, then you can see them, you know, staying competitive. Yeah, I, and even today, Kerry Carpenter, I think, he had, a, he, had a, he had a double, I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so... They're, I like they're, that guy. Yeah. And Carpenter's going out there, and he's had a couple extra base hits already. So, if the Tigers can continue to get some the offense kind of going along those ways and get one more bat going, then again, offensively today they they looked fine. But then, like just just they showed some patience at the plate. Baez got a walk, but it was a bullpen in this case. Well, Zabala, by the way, Zabala's down in Toledo. He was he was just somebody asked in the YouTube chat what happened to him. He's had a pretty good a couple appearances so far back to back for the Mud Hens. And he hit 101. Chris said that earlier. So he waited to see him hit 101. 
But as far as Tyler Nevin, look, here's another thing too. That that came up today in the press box about I was talking to somebody about Tyler Nevin and well, mm-hmm. everybody talking about bringing him up. And he is a, he is on a rehab assignment. So the Tigers have to think about where he is where to put him. But he's against triple A pitching. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean when you're going you get excited. Like I saw him in Toledo, he hit he he did what he was supposed to do, which is Crush the ball. You crush the ball, but he might, again, he might be the new Trace Thompson. Yeah, but it's against four <laughs> A pitching. Yes, I think you know what Uber. I could not handle this summer going. Well, you know what if? Man, I, no, 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 no. But as far as when he's going to get the call up, I think I think it's going to have to happen soon. If he continues to rake like he is, yeah, because they play Louisville next week and the Reds have some. They don't have really a lot of blue chip prospects in for the past. I don't think I have to, I have to double check, but listen, there's as, no question that there should be major league opportunities for a lot of guys who, who want to make careers as bullpen pieces or as, you know, corner platoon guys. There should be plenty of bats in Detroit for those yes. guys this year. There's no reason for that not to happen. It's just depending on how patient the Tigers want to be. So, but on that note, Thank you so much for listening to the Motor City Metrics podcast here over on our channel at Motor City Metrics Baseball or at Tiger Miley Report as we continue to do split channels until everybody gets used to us having it over at Motor City Metrics. And so go to our patreon.com forward slash Tigers Minor League Report to support the podcast. And if you want to support the podcast as well, you can. We have a PayPal link too, and we really appreciate that. We have a super chat feature on the Tiger Miley Report. We're going to be busting out on Sunday. So, but uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in tonight on YouTube and tune in for Chris and, and thanks everybody for being patient tonight. Like I said, it's been opening day. There's a opening is fun. It really is. I mean, for as a fan, it is because in most cases today, I've seen fans there when I was leaving or when I got there at seven 30 already cracking open like three or four beers. And nice. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was interesting to see the, how people break up the day. They they take a nap in their car, or however they <laughs> divide and conquer you, if you will, for lack of better words. But yeah, it was... Oh, I forgot to mention this because I wanted to give a shout-out to the Turning the Corner podcast. Or not Turning the Corner. Did I say that right? I think so. The the Corner... So it's the podcast from Cody Saberhagen and Kern, who's in town from Texas, came up. And they were giving away beer koozies. It's brilliant marketing. And it gave away that any listener they were running into. And uh, I think we should, we're on to something with that. I mean, we do give away shirts on the minor league side with the Tiger Minor Report, but we are going to start once we can get some extra funds, give away some Motor City Metrics t shirts. But, anyways, I want to give a shout out to those guys. It was good to see them out there, out about, especially with Kieran, who's used to Texas weather and he was out there. But shout out to him and the nice. koozie, which I, Thought I had on me, but it's in my jacket and it's in the other room. So, but I'll I'll put a picture on it on Twitter. So, follow us on YouTube. Want to see Metrics Baseball and continue to subscribe if you haven't. Link and like and subscribe to our channel. And we'll talk to you on Sunday, John. We'll have the full crew available. No segments for the show. Actually, a little more production in the show. We'll have some more production. I promise. <laughs> but this is the tail end of a thirteen-hour day, and I am going to bed. So, on that note, thanks everybody. Have a good night. Good night. I got some data for you, too.